0: To the Save Girl Podcast. This is your host, Saj, with my co host, Christy. Join us as we tackle the unspoken, the taboo, and the tough conversations for the modern Christian woman. What's up, Save Girl? Thank you for joining us today for another episode of the Save Girl Podcast. Christy and I are here, and we are just so excited for you guys to hear what we have for you today. And whether you're listening at home, at school, in the car, at work, we just hope that you take a moment and really receive everything we want to pour out for you. Um, This is just going to be such a powerful episode. It will be jam-packed with testimony, with triumph, and all the things that God wants you to take away from this, I'm sure a piece of that is empowerment because this testimony is nothing short of empowering. And who are we hearing from? None other than our amazing Christy, the co-host here at the Same Girl Podcast. And as we open up this season, we just thought it was appropriate for you guys to hear a little bit about us. So if you listened to last episode, you heard my testimony and Today, you will have the pleasure of hearing Christie's. I'm so excited, Christy. I know you are.
1: Oh my goodness, I am too. Welcome, welcome everyone. And thank you so much for your kind introduction. Yeah, I'm excited. There's Testimony Day. I'm nervous, I'm excited, but I'm happy to let's get this going and just pour out my heart towards the safe girls and let them know what happened and what's been happening. Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Nerves are good. Nerves means that it's important. We take the nerves and we ask God to, you know, help us channel that into some real power. And I had to do to you what you did to me. And you graced me with a lovely title to my testimony that totally caught me off guard and really just put everything in perspective in a millisecond. Wow! And I was like, wow, like this has to be Uncommon grace. And that stuck with me. Mm -hmm. So I said, Okay, God, what do you have for Christy? What is her testimony called? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And of course, Christy had coined the term redeemed. I know it's something that she, I know that you reference a lot, Mm -hmm. Christy. And for our listeners, the more you get to know her, you'll see that word become more and more fitting for who she is. But when the Lord told me redeemed, he had me do a little bit of searching okay. and um looking at the definition of redeemed and really what it means. So it's not just redeemed. Okay. But it the title of this episode for your testimony, Chrissy, is Redeemed, the debt is canceled. Wow. Wow. Oh my goodness. Y'all gonna make me cry on this episode. <laughs> Don't cry. Crying is good. We welcome tears. It's good. (laughs) Let it out, girl. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. That is, wow, that's powerful because that's exactly it. That's exactly it.
0: And just the conversations we have personally, girl, that just moved my heart. And I was like, wow, God, you have plans for her that are just so huge. And he made sure that he came and got you. And everyone listening to this is going to know what I mean by the end of this episode. (laughs) They're going to know what I mean. And there's no other place to begin this testimony that's more appropriate than just your childhood and your upbringing. Mm -hmm. So just tell us a little bit about you and how that upbringing went for you.
1: Okay, cool. First of all, I'm from a teeny tiny city. Teensy, teensy, weensy <laughs> island called Bonair. It's only 17,000 people. Wow. Yes, yes. We're a dot on the map in the Caribbean Ocean. And okay, yeah, I grew up there and my parents were Christians, So they were first generation Christians. They came from a background of Catholicism and other Afrocentric religions. And they got radically saved in the 70s. So then they were like, we're going to re- raise our children to being the Lord, which meant that we it was Sunday. There's church. Monday there's Bible study. Tuesday there's prayer. Wednesday there's intercessory. There's th- Thursday there's something else. And Friday there's youth group. And Saturday there's evangelism. So they were radically into the Lord every single day. Every every <laughs> single day. And they were also in leadership. So my dad uh, was an elder, and then he became an interim pastor for a while. And yeah, my mom was a Sunday school teacher. So it was definitely, I grew up in the word and I knew who who God was at an early age. I got saved at an early age at age eight. And they had let me watch the Jesus movie every year. Sounds the really gory stuff because I was very young, but I was Mm -hmm. really touched by the Jesus movie. And so one night I told my mom, like, I started crying under such conviction. Like, I, I know Jesus died for me. And how many sins could an year old commit? But I don't know. I, I felt the weight of the Lord, the, the conviction on me. And I was like, Lord, I gave you my life. I gave you my all. This is, yeah, that's how I grew up in my, in my childhood. And then I blossomed into my teens. And that's when it started.
0: I feel like for all of us, that's when things start. Those hormones start raging and we just become different people. <laughs> yes
1: because I used to be on the street evangelism team until like I was 10, 11 years old. So I used to be evangelizing people in the street, praying for people, interceding for people and stuff like that. And then once I hit my teens, that's when things started taking a very interesting journey with myself and like my identity and figuring out who I was. And I have to thank my parents because they took a very active role in trying to mentor me, but they couldn't protect me Mm -hmm. from the culture, because the culture there is the girls get pregnant by 12, 13.
0: Wow. Wow. Yeah.
1: So there's a, they don't expect that much from us.
0: Wow. So how did that low expectation affect you? And how, what did your parents do to combat that?
1: They had so many conversations with us the whole time. But yeah, so my parents, they would pick me up from school every time. And then they will be like, hey, what's going on with you? What did you learn today? What did you face today? How did you stand up for your fate? And they were very actively involved in trying to engage me in the tough discussions about teenage pregnancy, about sex, about just adult subjects. I, I, I think they really prepared me really well in that section.
0: Wow. I think we both have that in common. My parents did the same thing and they didn't shy away from those conversations. And I think the way the world is going, most parents are going to have to get on board with that Mm -hmm. because if you don't have those conversations with your child, the world is definitely going to have those conversations with your child. And I think that approach is really wise. And just sometimes as kids, we don't understand it can make us feel uncomfortable. It can make us feel like, why are you guys talking to us about this? Why are you asking me all these questions? But Now that I am an adult, I can appreciate my parents making me aware of certain things and making me aware of sex and the consequences and how it really works in the world.
1: Yeah, I think that's very important to talk to a child and be like, hey, this is what's going on with you. This is what's going on with your body. And this is what you need to look out for. I think I can thank them for not being a teen mother because of all that stuff that happens with them and them talking to me. During that time of being like, hey, my mom was a teen mom and my mom was like, I don't want you to become that. Let's skip that generational curse and let's build a new legacy that is in Christ.
0: Amen. Amen. So I think that it's safe to say your parents had a huge influence on your relationship with God.
1: They did. They gave me a solid foundation on what the Lord wanted from me and his expectations and holiness and sanctification and stuff like that. Now, did that keep me away from stuff? That is the question. I was a very curious kid and curiosity, they say curiosity killed the cat.
0: Yes, it did.
1: (laughs) I remember my parents didn't allow us to really go to parties and stuff like that because they were very scared of the scene because the scene is pretty, it's drugs and alcohol for 12 and 13 year olds. So 14 and 15 year olds are doing things that they should not be doing.
0: Are you serious? Oh, I'm wow. so serious. It's so young. It's so young.
1: So I I remember going to this one time they allowed me to go to this this school party. Because they were like, okay, it's at it's at it's at a teacher's house. So how much trouble could they get it into anyway? Girl, when I ended up in the car, I was drunk out of my mind. And yes. And I, my mom and my parents asked me, they were like, are you drunk? And I was like,
0: no, I'm completely sober. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, how naive we are at those ages. Yes, we don't know what we're thinking doing. Thinking we can get away. Yeah, thinking we can get away with things. And it's, if you could only see yourself. You know? I know. Yeah, but- I, th- no,
1: I think I I got a solid start to to start. But then, yeah. Adulting, a teenagehood, and adulting—that's where things started to take a twist, and I think that's where, right. where I—I've learned now that God has a great plan of redemption, like you said.
0: Yeah, and it. What I keep thinking of, and what I keep hearing, Christy, is also this: raise a child up in the way that they should go. So, although you may have strayed, and we'll get into that, you came back. And I truly believe we can attribute that a big part of that grace to your foundation and knowing what you have this compass that has been embedded in you. And it's always going to point to Jesus, even when you try to turn the other direction. It's just it's programmed to turn to Jesus. That scripture just comes to life here with hearing the first part of your testimony, hearing what happens when your parents instill this in you and you go on your own way and you start opening doors that shouldn't be open. And when you start opening those doors and walking through them, oh, you will find some things that might surprise you. So can you talk to us a little bit about that, about how you were with Christ and then what put you in a position to be far away from him?
1: I think it has to do with a couple of defining moments in my life. And I think because when I moved on, I had to move out on my own when I was 16 because of school. And okay. I, I, I went through a couple of very traumatic experiences in the whole stones that I had to stay in. And but I had a really great church that supported me and backed me. Then the pastor told me at the time, God rest his soul, that to go to a Christian university so that I wouldn't lose my faith. So I did. I went to Liberty University. For four years. School.
0: Actually, yeah. I love liberty. Yeah,
1: it's it's really good. It, it really did a number on, on me on really becoming, because girl, the first semester though, why why did I find a party or still? And then I was walking astray and in a whole mess with people. And then I remember the first time I heard the audible voice of God. And that was the, the first semester when I went to stay with them in at Thanksgiving. And then I was sleeping and I was like asleep on stuff like that. And then I was like, and I was like, how long are you going to neglect me? And I was like, and I was wow, like, I was like, well, what are we doing? And then I heard it again and again. And I was like, Jesus, come on, something. And then he was like, yeah, that's me. And I was like, what? You talk audibly? He's like, sometimes I have to speak audibly so that I get your attention. Because obviously you came to a Christian university and you're going out with people who are partying, who are living a very sinful lifestyle. And he's like, "What was the point of you coming to learn about me if you're running with the wrong crowd?" Mm-hmm. So that's when I rededicated my life, and then I had pretty much three years full lots of ministry and and prayer and and leadership and stuff like that. However, this is when I first started experiencing what a lot of us have gone through, which is church hurt. And oh man. I was. There were a couple of times when I faced some stuff with some girls on the hall that I was so disappointed in leadership and their judgmental attitude towards how I was leading the girls. Because I was like, these girls are sleeping around, so I'm going to equip them to let them know, hey, I know what you're doing but, and you're still loved. You're still not too far out there. I know you had an abortion, but you're still not too far from God. But they were criticizing me for my approach because I, they thought I was too worldly. Because I knew too much oh, about wow. sex and all that stuff. And I was like, I live in a world. I grew up in a, in in a world that was very highly sexualized. There was a lot of drunkenness, a lot of sexuality and stuff like that. And my parents really educated me on that stuff. So why wouldn't I educate these women too? And to, so that they can make wise choices with their bodies. But I was highly criticized for that. and Wow. I, I, I was very hurt by their approach and I even got a bad grade one time for my community service because they didn't approve of my approach.
0: Okay, can we pause it there? Because it's like, what was so wrong with your approach? What made your approach so worldly? The fact that you told them in the midst of their sin that God still loved them? Because if that makes it worldly, then I I mean, then we're all worldly because at the end of the day, what you what it sounds to me like you were conveying to these women is that, listen, there's still forgiveness available for you, even though you did X, Y, and Z. God is still willing to love you and to receive you. And in those moments like abortion, like losing your virginity or having sex with someone that you didn't plan on having sex with, that comfort make or break someone's relationship with Christ.
1: Yeah. And I didn't, check in as often as they would have liked because I did my own thing and I was like you didn't come after me I went I was out ministering I don't play the whole politics game I'm out here snatching souls out the fire all I care about is snatching souls out the fire if you don't like my approach that's on you and I remember the next semester I had to redo certain things because I was under a new RA and then they were like at the end of the semester they gave me an A plus and they were like Oh my goodness, look at you're so redeemed now and look at what God can do. I was like, I was always out in these streets. You just didn't know.
0: Let him know, Christy. Wow.
1: So that was one of the first times I experienced like church hurt. And that was very hurtful to me. But I think one of the most defining moments for me was. I was still a virgin at the time and I had a best friend who was not. And she was out there living her life or whatever and i remember one time this is very sensitive so if you are easily triggered we could probably skip this part of the testimony but um i remember one time we all decided to go on, out for movie night and then we split up in two cars and her brother was there and i had visited her family a, a lot and I, I was basically part of their family and she had a big brother and i had a crush on the brother But it wasn't that serious. I was just like, it's a crush. It's not like I'm going to do anything about it. And I remember because I had a crush and he was like, you can ride with us, with him and his guy friend. I stepped in the car and I was like, they're brothers. So why wouldn't I step in the cars with them? Because they're Christians. Nothing would ever happen to me, whatever. And we're only going 10 minutes down the road. That's it. So I stepped into the car. And as soon as we pull out the car and then she pulls out. He turns around and he's like, I'm going to tell them that you came on to me and you're a whore and all that type of stuff. And I was like, you would never, they would never believe you.
0: Wow, this is, oh my goodness.
1: Yeah, and then and then his guy friend turned around being like, oh, they'll believe us if, if I tell them too. If I co-sign, yes, they're going to believe you. So you're going to do what we want.
0: So they ganged up on you and tried to blackball you basically and <laughs> blackmail you so that you would give in to what they're saying. Yeah. Oh my God. That's so horrible.
1: Yeah, it was horrible. I was shocked because I had never been assaulted by anyone or sexually aggressed by anyone. So this was my first experience with that. And I remember we we got to the blockbuster when Blockbuster still existed. Yeah. <laughs> shout out Blockbuster. Shout out to <laughs> Blockbuster. That's the Netflix for all
0: the people who don't know. <laughs> right. Let him know. Yeah, yeah, we're showing our age, but we're it's showed, okay. It's
1: okay. <laughs> and I remember we pulled we, we pulled into the, the, the parking lot. I I ran out and I went into the, the light and I went into the the blockbuster and he came after me and he, he grabbed he started grabbing me and pushing me towards his body. And he was doing really sexual moves and stuff like that towards me. And then I remember my training when they said that if you're ever sexually assaulted or about to get raped, you should make a scene. So I made a complete scene in the blockbuster. Good for you. And then they wouldn't give me my phone. And it was like all this messy messiness. And then I got hold of a phone and then I I called my friend and I told her what happened. So my friend came and got me. But then before she came, I was outside in the dark again, waiting on her to pick me up. And then he was like out the car, hanging out with his tongue and doing all types of sexual gestures towards me. So my friend comes, I run into the car and they start fighting out in the parking lot. It was a whole complete mess. It was a whole complete mess.
0: And this was your best friend's brother?
1: Yeah, this was my best friend's brother.
0: I feel like that has to make it hurt even more. It hurt. It cut deep. Because this is someone you trust, someone you, you know, love. It's your... It's almost like family, and that really stings.
1: Yeah, it stung. And then what they were saying, and they were telling me, I wanted to prosecute him. And they were like, please don't prosecute him because he already has some strikes against him, and then they're just trying to hold the Black man down, la la all types of stuff. And then they were like, don't you love us? Don't you love our family? Why are you doing this to us? I understand it's painful for oh. you, but it's very painful for us. And then his dad came to campus with his family and told me, that it was basically my fault that I got assaulted because I was too sexually dressed because I had a V-neck and and a top on and a skirt.
0: Wow. Clearly this is before the Me Too movement or any type of women's movement that gave us a voice to stand up for ourselves because now that would not even be tolerated to say that you dress a certain way And that permitted his behavior.
1: Yeah. And they said that all he was trying to do is give me a hug, but I misunderstood his hug.
0: That was not no hug. Don't get me started up in here. Absolutely not. Like You you exposed yourself, sir, when you said that I'm going to tell them this and I'm going to tell them that. Mm -hmm. If you wanted a hug, you would have just gotten a hug, not made up lies about me or threatened me with a lie. Or any of those things. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I, it's just how many years of therapy I had to go through for that. And he doesn't understand that wow. he robs part of me. He doesn't understand. And they don't understand that. They don't understand that I had to go through like intense therapy because I was so broken up inside for years because I bottled it all up, not knowing that it would explode at some point.
0: Wow. My goodness. And just so all you ladies who are listening know, we definitely support therapy. And in this situation just goes to show why therapy is important. You have to be able to work through a lot of the trauma you have in order to give it to God. How can you give something to God that you don't know you have? How can you ask him to search something that you don't know exists? So this is why therapy is great. It helps you sort those feelings. Therefore, you can bring it to God. But my question to you, Chrissy, is did you bring that to God right away or did you keep that or hold that in?
1: I held it in because it was it, it was made to be like it was my fault. So I, I held in and I was like, Lord, I had shame there. And I was like, clearly I did something wrong and I'm tainted now. I'm not perfect anymore. And I, I felt like there was part of me that couldn't be redeemed because it was stolen from me.
0: Wow. There goes that word, guys. There was part of you that felt like you couldn't be redeemed.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But God said, Absolutely not. Yes. We didn't get there yet, though. Yeah. But that feeling is like like a virus that can fester when you start to feel that rejection and feeling as though nothing can change the situation or nothing can change your circumstance or make you better or clean you up. You start to feel that lack of redemption.
1: Yeah. And I think. Once I got out of school, I literally will say, I've been assaulted. I've had church hurt. I've been restrained so long from doing certain things. I'm just going to out there. And I went, literally, I went from praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I praise your name. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And intercessory prayer and partying and partying hard.
0: Oh, man. How many of us can relate? I wish we could do a quick poll, but if you're in your car or at work or wherever you are, you could just put a little hand up next to you. How many of us resort to partying? We run the other direction so many times. Instead of running towards the cross, we run away from the cross trying to do what some therapists call Mm self-soothe and make ourselves feel good. And that's what it sounds like. You walked right into that.
1: Yeah, I totally did. I I was like, serving God hasn't paid off for me. This paid paid off so well for me. So I'm going to do my own thing and see how that works out for me, because it can not be worse than backstabbing hypocritical Christians and getting sexually assaulted by a brother. That's what I thought. Oh my
0: goodness. Christy, your testimony... Is so dynamic. Like we haven't even gotten to the thick of it, but there's so many lessons here. One, we see how your parents raise you is important. If you are listening to this and you are going to be a parent, you have your own children or you want children, how you raise them and what you instill in them is so important. But then we also see something else. We see our roles as Christians and being very aware, just like Paul said, being careful not to make your brother stumble. And when you were treated this way, when you were, your feelings were disregarded and you were made out to feel this big, super tiny, because, oh, he just wanted to give you a hug. This is from Christians, people who we associate with, fellowship with, call our friends, call our brothers and sisters, yet they're hurting us. So, this huge lesson of our influence on other people. And if we treat them a certain way or harm them a certain way, in any way, actually, it can really have some really big ramifications. Yeah, it really can.
1: You really turn some someone onto the devil, even though you're not forcing them, but you're not helping them either when they're doubting and struggling with themselves. Because I had an inner struggle with myself being like, God, I want to serve you, but I don't see how your servants are treating me. So why would I stay? Yep. Why would I stay?
0: Yep. And you said turn a person on to the devil. Is that what happened? hmm
1: They literally, they, it, it didn't help. Because I, I was being tempted by the world and I was like, you, you I wanted to experience life and everything, but I also wanted to be in a church because I grew up in the church. But I'll show you the extent of my struggle I remember one time, me and my friend, we were in the club until 4 or 6 a.m. in the morning. We went to bed in the same clothes, and and then we woke up in the morning, threw some water on our faces because we wanted to make 11 o'clock service. We went to 11 o'clock service. It was like 20 or 30 minutes, and we were fast asleep in the church service. At the end, end, one of the ladies from our small group came to us being like, y'all had a good night last night, didn't y'all ladies? But not in a condemning way, but she was just like, I can tell y'all were not praying and fasting last night.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. You're not tired from being at the feet of Jesus. You're tired from something else. (laughs) Yeah,
1: exactly. And we were basically hung over in the church and trying to figure it out as we were going along because we didn't know what we wanted. When it's hard to see authentic Christianity, in a sense... And seeing people who have authentic walks with with Christ, it's hard to, especially when you've been hurt, to follow God because it's like the devil is nipping at your heels because you have doors that are already open. So he, the devil is coming in like a flood on you, and then he's like, "Why wouldn't you do try this? Why wouldn't you just don't sleep with him, but just do some stuff with him? Why wouldn't you do this?" Why? And I got myself into some really awful situations we met. And, and with drinking and stuff like that and getting assaulted again at a club, it was a mess. It was a mess. It was a complete wow. mess.
0: So you were assaulted again and so many other things happened as well that made you feel far away from Christ. Yeah. Yeah. That, And, and sometimes when we find ourselves on this road, I call it the slippery slope. And We're trying to gain some traction. We're trying to keep ourselves from depression or sadness or anxiety. But we don't even realize we're traveling so far, so fast down the slippery slope. Before you even realize it, you are in environments. You are around people that you would have never thought you would be around. That part. Can you explain some of that to us as you became exposed to? darker things and witchcraft, where were some places where you were like, I never thought I would find myself here? Honestly,
1: I remember I, I moved back with my, in with my parents for two years. And then I moved back to the Netherlands where I'm at right now from America. And I, when I came here, I was still kind of like iffy about what I want to do with my spirituality. But I started mm-hmm. hanging out with, with the wrong crowd. And I was like, you know what? I'm still interested in living my life and doing me, as we call it. We, I'm just doing me, between the yeah, <laughs> And the depravity that I ended up going to was that I, I first started watching Tarot. That's what I started, started on, on YouTube because I was tired of Christianity because I had tried going to churches here. Got church hurt because of some people that gossiped about me and talked really derogatory things that were were untrue, and and under
0: the guise of so there's another example of church hurt is it's following you.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was following me, and I was like, I think when we have certain open doors that we never close, I think the devil just stacks on top of it, and just you keep attracting that towards your towards you. So once I had that happen, I was like, I literally was like, I'm going to be explicit effort. I'm going to do my own thing. That's what I said to the Mm -hmm. Lord. And I was like, I'm done with you. I'm tired. I'm deconstructing my faith. Now they call it deconstructing my faith. I was like, I'm losing my faith. I'm done with you. I'm done with you. I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to figure it out. So I took up yoga. That was the first thing I took up yoga. Really? I loved it. I loved the mindfulness aspect of it. And then I got into serious yoga, the high advanced level. And I started doing that. And then one thing leads to another because you're like, oh, mindfulness. And then they were like, I do yoga and I do there Tarot. It is. And I do Tarot. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, what's Tarot? And I was like, but isn't that for bad people? And then they were like, no, I'm a Christian too. I used to be a Christian too. But then I learned that I could have higher power. Power wow. with the, as an ascension, with kundalini energy and
0: Tarot. Wow. Wow. And this is, and if you thought you misheard her, you did not hear her. We've thrown yoga into the conversation because it is an open door. And if you don't know why yoga should not be practiced by Christians, please do some research. If you Google it, there's a lot of great articles that come up. Christy, I love the way you share your testimony and the fact that it's almost like this domino effect. If I could pick another name for your testimony, it would be the domino effect. Yeah. Because one thing led to another, which led to another, which led to another. There was consequences in each action that led to the opening of the next action. Mm-hmm. And that that's powerful.
1: Yeah. And then w- w- what people don't understand is like once you start opening those doors, there's more stuff that goes with it. There's a lifestyle that goes with it. So not only the yoga lifestyle, but then I started heavily partying again. And then I started sleeping around a lot because... Free love and just go with the flow. Vibes, good
0: vibes only. <laughs> good soul ties only, means <laughs> Thank you. Right. You're building all these ties with people. Good vibes and free love. Man, what is, can you explain what free love is for those who don't know?
1: It just means that you are in, in control of your sexuality and you don't owe anybody anything. So you can sleep around with as many people as you want as often as you want doing whatever you want yep. because because you're too consenting adults and that
0: is the trend now yes it's the trend yes wow and it's sad
1: because it's you don't understand how many like you said soul ties and and soul garbage as i call it garbage you get into your soul Because the open doors that they have in their lives are not open in your life. So you get exponentially increasing the open doors to Satan in your life. And you have no idea where you're going to end up.
0: With your soul gone, because that's what he's after. Yeah, He's after the rights of your soul. And I think having this conversation be so transparent the way it's being about What you are exposed to and how this domino effect has put you there. I hope it puts us all on alert as to how we treat other Christians, how we love on other Christians, what we talk about when we're talking about other Christians, and just making sure there's a respect there because it's bringing us to this point in the conversation where you are now exposed to so many things just because you didn't feel the acceptance and love and respect you were supposed to feel in the Christian church. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I was so hurt and so disillusioned that I said, I'm not just going to throw out the bathwater. I'm just going to throw the baby, the whole installation. I'm going to throw everything. And then when I throw it out, I'm going to burn it afterwards so that I make sure that I completely live it up for hell. And I, was, I literally said after a while, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in hell. That was my MO mm. for a while.
0: Wow. So what did it take you to regain back your relationship with Christ after diving into these things and getting involved into things that couldn't be further away from him?
1: I think what was the inflection point was when I started hearing Satan's voice and that's when it's it really shifted because I had been playing with cards and and, and spiritism and not seances, but like ancestor worship and stuff like that. And that's all demons at the end of the day. They're masquerading spirits, but it's all demons, by the way. So I started hearing the voice of Satan in my head. And and it's such a sinister, dark voice. Anyone who's heard that voice wants to kill themselves. And that's exactly what happens with people with suicide and different things like that. They hear the sinister voice of Satan in their minds playing back. All their sins, all the bad, all the bad stuff that I did, he kept replaying that over and over every day over me, and then I, I, I lost my mind. I had a nervous breakdown. Yeah,
0: yeah. I had to be hospitalized. I'm so proud to hear that. Jesus, it literally snatched your peace. Yeah, because
1: you might not believe in Satan, but Satan definitely still believes in you.
0: Period. Mm-hmm. Like you, you can play silly all you want. He is not playing any games with us. He means business and he's a stalker and he wants to make sure he makes contact. Yeah. And you've got to put that spiritual restraining order on him, sis. But back to what Christy's saying, I, I want you to share with the audience because your testimony is so powerful. And a lot of women who are listening might feel like they've done too much or they've gone too far. But when they hear your testimony, they can be encouraged. Can you share how you regained your connection with God and what it's like today?
1: Sure. I think w- one of the parts of the inflection points was that some of my co- old college friends from Liberty got in touch with me and they started praying over me and in- doing intercessory prayer over me. And I have noticed that when they did that, that the voices stopped. And, and- I, I literally was like, okay, God, like you do exist because when they pray, the voices stop. So if I serve you with all my life, I literally was like, if I serve you with all my life, can you make this never, ever, forever go away? And then God was like, that wasn't even a question. It's not about you serving me for the rest of your life. It's about you knowing that you're loved and you were always loved. You were always loved and you were never forgotten and you were never unredeemable for me. But because you believe people, Because you live by people's acceptance. You died by their rejection. And so he was like, what you need is to understand the heights, the width, and the depth of my love. And this is where I'm meeting you in this moment, in this deep, dark moment where you don't want to live anymore, where it's so dark, and where you think that you're so unredeemable. I want you to know that this is exactly what Jesus
0: died for. And that brought me peace. Wow. Wow. And that goes back to what we talked about in the beginning, that there is nothing too hard for God to redeem, to fix. And I love what he showed me with you. The debt is canceled. Mm -hmm. It's canceled. And when he showed it to, to me, now I can explain a little more now that you guys all have her testimony and the context of the debt being canceled. The enemy wanted to cash out on her soul. And God said, not so. That soul belongs to me. And the problem is that when you dabble into witchcraft and you want more power, you're making a deal with the devil saying, yes, give me the power and I'll give you something in exchange. And nine times out of 10, what he wants is your soul. Mm -hmm. So when God says I'm canceling, the debt is canceled. The devil no longer has your name. He can no longer say, oh, she owes me a soul or, or she owes me a heart or she owes me something. No, you are free. Amen. Wow. The debt is canceled.
1: My soul is so full just to hear that because that's exactly what God was been trying to tell me during those moments when I was so low. I didn't understand what He was saying to me, and he, when he, he kept saying to me, "This is exactly what Jesus died for." That's what He kept reverberating. And you say that is canceled. There's these like saying Jesus took that upon the cross and He suffered the ultimate rejection in his soul so that he could carry you to victory and freedom and to triumph. Never. To Jesus for me. Yeah. So you're never too far from God. That's what I've learned. Because after all the stuff that I've done, I, I'm a, you could call me a professional sinner. And I knew better. That's the thing. I knew better. God is great. And, and he's delivered me. And... I've been able to do amazing things. I'm, I'm finishing up my, I'm busy with this podcast. I minister to different young ladies. And that's what he's called me to do. You're never too far gone. Never.
0: Nope. Nope. And sometimes it takes that distance for us to really appreciate him. And to really love him the way he should be loved. I know for me, it, it puts a permanent gratitude in my heart because I know how far away I was from him. I know how difficult I made it for him and how much I ran away from his love. So he's just so perfect. He's just so amazing. He
1: is. And I have to thank him for all the joy that he's given me and just the pleasure of connecting with other sisters like you who've gone through some stuff, but then we we see the redemption and the grace of God on, on our lives and just the restoration. Oh my goodness. Can we talk about the restoration?
0: restoration i love restoration it's one of my favorite words in the bible
1: mm-hmm. and just him i he, love restoration he's just redeeming what the locusts have eaten what the devil has tried to destroy he completely restores it and gives you a god dream which is bigger than anything that you could possibly think or imagine i want to encourage you whoever you are out there i know there's a couple of you out there Actually, many of you out there who are going through what you're going through and you're saying, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if God wants me. And I'm telling you, you have a great destiny. You are only being held down so bad because the devil knows you have such a great destiny on your life. Do not give in. Do not give up. Go to church. Find a church. Go to online church if you need to. Go to Bible study. Find a Bible study or come to Sasha's Bible study on on Wednesdays. Just join prayer or live prayers on monday wednesday fridays on safe girl brand there's so much out there that you can do i know i've been hurt and i and i didn't trust the church anymore but it doesn't mean that you need to cut yourself off from the body of christ because god wants to deliver you from what you're going through and restore you and give you his god dream for you that inkling you have that you're meant for greater is because you are meant for greater this is your sign if you've been praying for a sign this is your sign
0: amen this is the sign and everything christy said is available for you to attend all for free if you want to get connected if you want to come to bible study come to prayer all it requires is for you to commit your time and like she said this is the sign you've been waiting for save girl do not delay this gift that god wants to give you of redemption and restoration Don't delay it. It is yours to have. And the beautiful part of all of this that I love is that if God did it for me and God did it for Christy, guess what? He's going to do it for you too. That's just the type of God we serve. I think that a prayer for restoration and redemption needs to happen right now. And Christy, I would love for you to just pray that prayer over the listeners so that they may receive. Everything that God has for them in the areas of restoration and redemption.
1: Amen. Let us go in prayer. God, I thank you. I thank you so much for your grace. I thank you so much for your favor. I thank you so much for your redeeming power of the blood, Lord Jesus, that washes everything white as snow. A lot of us, Lord Jesus, and many times have, have done many things which is that we might have sh- we might be ashamed about, Lord Jesus. We might regret. But Lord Jesus, you're telling us not to live in regret because you have died for that too. So in Jesus' name, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to redeem the time, to redeem their souls, Or Jesus, to redeem their lives, Or Jesus, redeem their minds, Or Jesus, so that they see that you are greater than anything that ever has ever been done, Lord Jesus, in their lives, or Jesus. That no matter what they've done, that doesn't mean, Lord Jesus, that you'll love them less. You love them even more than it can ever possibly think or imagine Lord Jesus so I pray in your name that you deliver my sisters and brothers Lord Jesus from the heavy burden of shame the heavy burden of regret the heavy burden of Jesus of guilt and I speak a healing Lord Jesus in their souls I bind those things Lord Jesus that are trying to interfere with your connection with them Lord Jesus and I speak Lord Jesus that there is divine flow Lord Jesus and I thank you God for what you're about to do Give them that God dream. Give them that inkling that they that inkling that they meant for greater. Open it up so that they see Lord Jesus, your divine revelation for them. Let their ears hear and let their eyes see, Lord Jesus, and let their mouth taste that you are good. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Christy, for your vulnerability. Thank you for sharing your powerful testimony with us all. It is just such a beautiful thing to hear. And God gets all the glory out of that story, out of your testimony. It just shows how faithful he is. So we just thank God for that. Amen. All right, Save Girl, thank you for joining us today. And we cannot wait to touch base with you again. Stay tuned for episode three coming soon. If you want to hear some unfiltered and uncut conversations regarding Christy's testimony, some details that we didn't get to dive into today, make sure you head over to Patreon to get that uncut conversation. Those unfiltered talks are the best. So if you want to hear more, head over there and you can hear how to get there in our show notes. If you enjoyed what you heard today, make sure you stay connected. Follow Christy at her underscore promised land and Saj at Save Brand on Instagram. If you want to hear more unfiltered conversations, head over to patreon.com slash Brand for devotionals, uncut footage, and more exclusive content. And remember, we got you, no woman left behind.